You're listening to the Eurofolk Radio Network, and this is the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show with your host, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock. Hello, everybody. Joining me today is a good friend of mine who actually taught me how to do broadcasting when he invited me back in August 2014 to co-host the show with him, Bloodlines, that still runs on Sundays on Eurofolk Radio with a new co-host, Pastor Steve. And um, I'm really pleased to have him on. Pastor Eli, are you with me? Yes, uh, glad to be here. Yeah, well, um, we, we were in discussion about doing a show, um, and you had a great idea. Um, so, well, I'm going to hand over to you to, to introduce it and, and bring it in, Pastor Eli. Yeah, what, what I want to do today is tie in the relationship between uh, biblical verses such as Mystery Babylon, the... Uh, the flood cast out of the mouth of, dra- of the dragon in Revelation chapter 12, the, the thousand years in which the beast was held captive in the bottomless pit, <laughs> and the Jews, uh, the Edomites, and their money lending operations, because all of these tie together very nicely in biblical prophecy, which is an element of prophecy that the mainstream churches utterly avoid because, they, number one, they don't understand prophecy since they assume that the Jews are the Israelites of the Bible. And because they have this misunderstanding, they fail to recognize the eighth beast, Mystery Babylon, and uh, the thousand-year period, which they presume to be after the tribulation, but uh, in my estimation has already occurred because it refers to the thousand-year period begun with Charlemagne in 1800 A.D. He was the first Holy Roman Emperor. 800 A.D. Yeah, yeah, 800 A.D. And uh, the first thing he did upon uh, assuming that title was he passed the law forbidding usury throughout the land. Okay? Okay. So uh, that held good until 1800 A.D. when Napoleon... Uh, let the Jews out of the ghettos, and uh, upon doing so, you know very well, you wrote the book, Synagogue of Satan, <laughs> he let loose the beast called the House of Rothschild. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, it's really interesting to tie all this up scripturally. And it was interesting when he was sort of saying about Judeo-Christian uh, churches, etc., because even when I've been reading uh, secular books for uh, my absent friend show, which has now finished, um, you you get so many authors, and then they'll start referring to oh, and this Jewish prophet and that Jewish prophet and all this sort of stuff. And of course, it's the <laughs> pure white race Israelites. And and you and I know from reading stuff where, well, you know, you can avoid that bit, but then they tie into Jews today, and so you you can't actually end up using their research because. They've gone. It's like sort of they've taken a compass to go a certain direction, and the compass is backwards. And it, That's right. It means right. that everything that they experience on the way is wrong, also. So while there are some people, if they just want to talk about that as a separate issue, but when they're trying to drag into uh, secular history and tie it up with that, unfortunately, they've wasted their time, and all the work is ruined. So that's right. the difficulty I've found, and that's why it's so important, the identity message that you know we both uh, practice and adhere to and you, you teach brilliantly on, uh, is, is essential for people today to have a full understanding of what's really going on. 
Right, and what you're referring to, actually, Eustace Mullins is one who made the transition because most of his early writing uh, assumed that the Jews were the Israelites of the Bible, okay? And, uh, you know, but the Israelites of the Bible uh, were not practice, practitioners of usury, and the Bible expressly forbids it. The uh, practice of usury only came about in the, in the New Testament times when we find the money changers in the, in the temple that Yahshua himself drove out with his whip, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and Yahshua said, my, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. We know that those money changers in the temple were Babylonian Jews, not Israelites, okay? And it, it is in Babylon where we see the, the very first instance of what has to be called the fractional reserve banking system. Uh, it's the clay tablets that were used as receipts for goods in ancient Babylon. The the priests, now we have to talk about priests as bankers. Now that's how banker banking, the uh, practice of banking started out. Let me back up to ancient Egypt and Assyria, Babylon, a very, very ancient world. Because what we have is temple prostitution. Temple prostitution in the pagan world, the non-Israelite world, the Israelites were the only ones that never practiced temple prostitution. And uh, But the Jews certainly do that today, you know, which is a good clue that the Jews of today are not the Israelites of the Bible because they, they violate every law of the Bible. But in, in, in ancient times, it was very common for uh, the pagan religions to have temple prostitutes. Well, the priests who ran these temples actually uh, collected the, the fees from the, uh, what, what, should, what should we call them, tricks? Yeah. <laughs> the, the tricks, right? That's what prostitutes call them today. And uh, so whatever money the tricks paid uh, was maintained by the uh, priests of the temple who were, in effect, pimps. All right? Mm. So... Uh, and a lot of the ancient religion evolved around sex worship, okay, and sexual rituals. The Bible constantly tells us about the pagans and their uh, groves and their high temples and things like that, okay? Well, that's what was going on in these temples. It was prostitution. And the priestesses were, in fact, prostitutes who were, you know, applying their trade. And, of course, you have to understand they were kind of kept in uh, submission by the priests. But all the money that these priests made in the temple from this practice uh, began to build up, and money lending became part of their operation as well. So prostitution and money lending are the most ancient occupation, <laughs> and they've kind of evolved together. Okay? Well, I mean, just as a side issue, you talk about this pagan worship. I remember when I was younger, I used to go to Turkey a lot with my family because it was just becoming a tourist destination. I'm talking about 85, 86, about 12, 13 at the time. And when you buy your postcards and what have you, and a lot of the postcards, there was a picture of not just a variety of statues that all depicted a, a, a man uh, with a huge appendage, shall we say, a phallus thing. It was almost the size of him. Uh, and, of course, when you're 12, 13, you see something like that, you find it quite amusing and what have you. And, of course, that's why they put it on the postcard. But the the, the, the fact is, is that is a clear example of this um, pagan sexual worship that they had in those times. 
Yes, right. Uh, I'm quoting from a website uh, entitled uh, stim.com, S-T-I-M.com, uh, The Future of Money. Uh, it starts out with this quote, although it's not attributed to anybody. Money, like certain other essential elements in civilization, is far, a far more ancient institution than we were taught to believe some few years ago. Its origins are lost in the mists when the ice was melting and may well stretch into the paradisic intervals in human history of the interglacial periods, when the weather was delightful and the mind free to be fertile with new ideas on the islands of the Hesperides or Atlantis or some Eden of Central Asia. Well, in other words, this is a very old <laughs> practice. He says, for example, the oldest coin currency that we know is a Sumerian bronze piece dating from before 3000 BC. On one side of the coin is a representation of a sheaf of wheat. On the other, Ishtar, the goddess of fertility. The Sumerians called it the shekel, where she meant wheat and kel was a measurement similar to the bushel. And uh, it talks about the temple prostitutes. The sacred prostitutes were representatives of the goddess Ishtar, and intercourse with them was intercourse with the goddess of fertility. <laughs> See how the religion and banking go together? Yeah. Uh, nothing to take lightly. At that time, fertility was truly a matter of life and death. If the crops failed, there was no alternative, and everyone starved or at least went hungry until next year. And, of course, competing completing the magic ritual properly ensured the fertility in crops, animals, and children that was necessary for future prosperity, or so the priests taught. Right? Exactly. It was a racket. <laughs> it was a racket. You know, and they couched it in terms of fertility. Oh, yeah, yeah okay, if, if you want good crops, well, you men, you have to have sex with these temple prostitutes and everything is good. Right? Well, and, when, and it just Go ahead. I was just going to say, when Christ, um, you know, overturned the money t uh, changers, when he overturned the tab tables in the, in the temple of the money changers yes. and uh, said there were den of thieves, etc., and they're taking the, the church and turning it into a place of merchandise and, and buying, buying and selling. Well, what we know for sure is that the Israelites of the Old Testament never had an institution called a bank, which is where the money changes hands. They never had such an institution. That did not make its appearance until the New Testament, and we know that was instituted by Herod and the Edomites, and Josephus tells us that Herod imported priests from Babylon. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ananias was one of them. I'm not sure if uh, I'm exactly right on that, but he certainly Im imported uh, priests from Babylon. And this whole money lending business came from Babylon. It did not come from the Bible. In fact, let me use one quick quote here from, from the end of this article. Until very recently, it was still the fashion to, to design banks to look like temples, and reverence ring, lingers inside them. Central bankers in particular shroud their doings in priestly secrecy, while a hearing of the chair of the Federal Reserve in the U.S. Congress has just as much ritual and studied ambiguity as the Eleusinian mysteries of ancient Greece, because this was uh, practiced among the Greeks as well, temple prostitution and banking. Okay, so people need to understand that those two activities have gone together for time immemorial, and we have who's who are the biggest pimps in the world today? Well, I mean, it's the Jews that are involved in all this white uh, <laughs> sex slave trafficking, and they get them from Eastern Europe, and they uh, 
give them a, a story that they're going to go over to Israel and work as a secretary or what, what have you, and they end up being used by all the rabbis out there. Right, and also Hollywood and the porn industry. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. soft porn movies, hardcore. Just the Jews are involved in all of this. They're the p- biggest pimps in the world. They're also the biggest moneylenders in the world. Yeah. So people need to realize there's a connection here. All right? E- exactly. So, uh, yeah. Now, uh, it, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 27 where – Esau, who was the brother of Jacob, and Esau despised his birthright and then sold his birthright to Jacob. But Esau married two Hittite women. Okay? And before today's show, I sent you some links to uh, Jewish quotations about uh, Jewish ancestry among the Hittites, and uh, specifically the Jewish nose, that they say they get the big old hook nose from uh, intermarrying with the Hittites. Well, it was Esau that did that, not Jacob. Okay? So the Jews are telling us, well, they derive from Edom, and even in their encyclopedias say Edom is in modern Jewry. And it was these Edomites who were in charge of the temple because Herod, he was not of Israel, he was not a Judahite, he was an Edomite who was placed on the throne by the Romans. It was a Roman occupation, and Herod was their uh, occupying governor. What what he did was he assassinated the entire Israelite or Judahite Sanhedrin and replaced them with his Edomite cronies. That they, they are known as Pharisees. These Pharisees began to adopt the religion of Moses, or I should say adapt it. <laughs> right? yeah. They never really adopted it. They adapted the Hebrew scriptures for their own religion, which is known as Judaism. Judaism is not the religion of the Old Testament. It is properly called Mosaism or the way. It was referred to as the way in the New Testament. It was There was no Judaism before New Testament times. Okay, this is, and I think Eustace Mullins figured this out. Uh, many of the secular commentaries on the Bible uh, simply failed to uh, realize that the Jewish people were never Israelites and the Old Testament is not part of Jewish literature. They stole it. They stole it from us. And that's why you have such a huge contrast between the Israelites of the Bible uh, following the Mosaic Law and today's Talmudic Jews who follow their Talmud anti-Bible. Yeah, and funnily enough, the link that you sent me, I'm sorry, I didn't have a chance to look at it before, but um, I've had a look at it now. It's uh, Jewish Nose, just type in Jewish Nose Wiki. And it is admitted on the Wikipedia page that, uh, you know, it's from um, a consequence of the intermixture with the Hittites in Asia Minor. And there's a funny picture down below. It's um, a picture of Barbara Streisand with this big hook nose, and it says... Barbara Streisand in On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, which is a film from 1970, but it's a very apt title for her nose when you look at her in that photo. You can see her nose from... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Uh, So there are admissions in various Jewish encyclopedias that they have interbred with Hittites, just exactly as the Bible tells us in Genesis 27. Okay, and this is because he married the two daughters of Heth, it says very clearly in the Bible. And uh, let me quote now, after Jacob got his blessing and Esau complained, well, 
Father, why why won't you bless me? You you gave me you gave uh, my brother Jacob the blessing, but not me. And he demands a blessing. Esau said, "This is uh, Genesis twenty seven, verse thirty eight." Esau said to his father, "Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O my father." And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. I'm reading from this is the. Revised Standard Version, which I think is a better translation than the King James. Okay. Then Isaac, his father, answered him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword shall you live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you break loose, you shall break his yoke from off your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing, with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then will I kill my brother Jacob. This is the beginning of the animosity that the Edomites have had for our race, the Caucasian Israelites. This is where this feud, this blood feud began. Okay? So you have to understand that the Jews are the descendants of Edom, having adopted the false name of Israel. Actually, they really didn't assume it until very recently in history. But the name of Judea, the Jews are named from the Greek word Judean, which means the country of Judea does not mean the tribe of Judah. Okay? As is very clear from the intertestamental period, the Israelites refused to circumcise non-Israelite males, where a Jew, the Jews will circumcise anybody, <laughs> mm. right, or anything for that matter. Okay? So we have to keep this distinction between Edomites and Israelites very sharp and distinct in order to understand biblical prophecy. If you don't, if you confuse the two groups of people with one another, you're you're confusing enemies as friends. Yeah, I mean, also, of course, um, they they have adopted that Israel mantle and, and the Schofield Bible and all sorts of things they've used alongside that. Um, it's the perfect place for them to hide uh, by pretending that they're the good guys, you know. Uh, and so that's that's a perfect hiding place for them. But, of course, we go back to, you know, John chapter 8, and they actually say to Yeshua the Christ himself that, you know, they are Abraham's seed, which technically they they could be going through, but going through to Esau. Yes, exactly. But they're not the children of the promise because that bloodline goes only through Jacob. Exactly. does not go through Edom. But this is why uh, Jesus said, you have your father the devil. Yeah. And and, and also, where does, um, because this is what some people get confused on because they say, right, okay, they're the Edomites. They they came from Esau. But, of course, we know a load of Jews came back, came from Cain also. So have we got a separate line there as well, just so the uh, listeners aren't confused? Well, let me just take it all the way back to Genesis 3.15, where uh, Eve was seduced by Nachash, which means a seducer or enchanter or magician. We're not talking about a literal snake, as some uh, some you know pundits like to interpret it. And there was no apple in the garden story. Uh, Eve was literally seduced. That's why she had to wear, uh, Adam and Eve had to wear uh, girdles uh, or, you know, 
aprons around their private parts, you know, yeah. not uh, in their mouths for saying something wrong or <laughs> thinking something wrong. And of course, Eve's womb was cursed with pain in childbirth. So it's pretty obvious that we're talking about a sexual seduction. Okay. And it, where Paul refers to that uh, Eve being beguiled, that he, that Greek word means to seduce wholly. Okay, so it's pretty obvious a complete and thorough seduction means you go all the way. <laughs> all right, sexual intercourse has taken place. That's what Paul is saying. So now we, we see that the two bloodlines uh, from Cain, the Kenites in Genesis chapter 4, uh, we see that his bloodline is uh, declared. In Genesis chapter 5, the bloodline of Seth is declared. Seth means replacement. Seth was the replacement for Abel. He was a pure-blooded Aryan Israelite. Well, not Israelite yet, but Adamite. An Aryan Adamite through Adam and Eve. Okay? And that bloodline is declared separately from the Cain satanic seed line. So later on in history, we see that the Cain satanic seed line merges with Canaan. Canaan, who was the one cursed by Noah. So uh, the Kenite seed line that thus takes the name of Canaan, who became their uh, pseudonymous or their their the, their head, their leader, the, the the leader they accepted, and therefore they named themselves after Canaan, they, hence known as Canaanites. Okay, and then these Canaanites uh, subsequently took Esau as their leader after he was expelled from the presence of. Uh, Isaac and Rebecca, and uh, so the, these Canaanites, now uh, now known as Edomites, lived in the country called Idumea, just to the south of Judah. And uh, these Edomites, non-Israelite people that, uh, who had carried the seed line of Cain and the seed line of Canaan within themselves, and the seed line of Esau, all mixed together in one group of people, now known as Edomites, became the Pharisees of the New Testament who invented the religion called Judaism. Okay, I think that's about as briefly as I can summarize it, <laughs> the bloodline of the of the Edomites, the Edomite Jews. No, that, that's an excellent explanation, Pastor Eli. And um, so now that we've established you know, who these people are and we know that they're the Jews of today, let's. Um, do you want to take it forward to Revelation now? Or do you want to go through some... some... Yes, yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah. Revelation chapter 17. And uh, first, let me uh, tie in the, the, the seven beasts. There's several re references to the great whore that rides upon the seven beasts. And the great whore is called Mystery Babylon, mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Well, who is this great whore? Well, as we discussed. It's the banking slash prostitution system that has come down from Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, uh, Rome, etc., etc. All the seven beasts mentioned all had this system of banking, prostitution going together. Okay? Banking well, and prostitution uh, from uh, thousands and thousands of years gone by. So all of these kingdoms had this system in operation, and the reason why the, this beast, the great whore, rides all seven beasts is because all of them had this banking-slash-prostitution temple set up. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just um, the uh, Hollywood 
uh, style of the, the prostitution or the sex industry, you know, the, the porn industry, because what's happened, it's become so broad. I mean, there was a story in mainstream media about a company called Jack Wills, which is very popular uh, make uh, make of clothing that young people like to wear. It's a, you know, it's a brand they like to be seen in, you know, that sort of thing, a fashionable brand. And they've actually been censured by um, some advertising standards authority. And for them to do that, it's pretty bad because, of course, it's right. all Jewish. But they just thought they couldn't get away with this. And they had all these pictures of, you know, 13, 14-year-olds, uh, boys and girls lying around together with very skimpy clothing on on beds and things like that. Uh, but all together as well. So it was symbol symbolizing a group type thing was about to take place uh and my point right. is is that you know it's sexualization right through to your your advertising it's sexualization right into Come any to sort the of temple tele- yeah so it, it's ever and the point is is that where do people get their information from these days pastor Eli? they either get it pretty much everything comes to them through the media they don't really read a lot of books or what have you. And so if they keep putting all this stuff through the media, people don't just have to watch porn to see this sort of thing. It's being peddled to them in a softer level, but still in a subliminal level through advertising and regular daytime television. Yes. Well, we have the same thing here, Abercrombie & Fitch, yeah. which is putatively a, uh, you know, a, a outfitter and clothier. Uh, you know, they their recent catalogs have come out with in women in bare breasts and, you know, scanty clothes, as you're saying. I mean, come on. Come on. You know, this is a catalog for people who want to buy clothes, right? So what are you doing with this stuff? Well, of course, the Jews are – they cannot resist using sexual and perverting sexuality. They just cannot resist doing so, okay? That's, that's their modus operandi. All right. But let's go into Revelation chapter 17, verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. This, The beast that was and is not and yet is is the third beast of Babylon where the fractional reserve money system was created. Okay, and uh, this this fractional reserve banking system was lurking in the shadows throughout history and waiting to be reincarnated in a major way. But uh, the empires that followed, namely the the Medes and Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, really held the Jewish moneylenders at bay. There was still a lot of money lending going on by the Jews and by the Babylonians. But uh, they never were able to eclipse the emperors on whose backs they rode, okay, until the eighth beast. So what we're talking is the third beast, Babylon, will be reincarnated, and it says, And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is. So if we take verse 10, and from John's perspective, the five that are fallen are, are Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. All of these civilizations 
had this whore riding riding on top of them, riding along with them. Okay, and so, but one is. So the the sixth is Rome because contemporary contemporaneously with John the sixth beast is Rome. Now we know that the Jews had moneylenders installed advising uh, the the emperors and subsequently the popes as well. Okay, uh, lending money to popes, lending money to Roman emperors, but they never had taken full control of the empire. They were always playing second fiddle as advisors and moneylenders. Okay, yeah. so and then it continues to tell us. And the other is not yet come, and when he comes, he must continue a short space. He's talking about the seven. Well, and that beast was Napoleon. Napoleon was the seventh after the sixth Rome. And then it tells us, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goes into perdition. So it's telling us, well, this eighth beast is going to make an appearance and it, but ultimately, this eighth beast will be cast into hell, uh, and and we know since it's uh, it's talking about the Jews, they will be gathered and burnt like tares. Matthew chapter thirteen. Uh, you have to keep the the fact in mind that these Edomite Jews are have been the pr- practitioners of this fractional reserve banking system for time immemorial, and that's what these verses are telling us. That this is the beast that we're dealing with. Yeah, so now it's go uh, ahead. and uh, there's not a Judeo-Christian uh, interpreter who gets this at all, because they, they falsely equate the Jews with Israel, and they don't get that we're talking about a world empire of merchants, mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. You know, well, it's if you all you have to do is look around, Andrew, and you see who's in charge of the world economy. Yeah, and you see how the world economy is run. I mean, what they've done as well, uh, another Jewish tactic, is to make us dependent on them. And what I mean by that is the deindustrialization of all the white nations is just um, ridiculous. I mean, they've got us in a situation where if people suddenly wanted to break away from this system, they'd say, well, who's going to build all your cars? Who's going to make all your clothes? Who's going to even produce all your food? You know, because they've done all, they've moved all that to China and India and all that. So we're dependent on them. And all people seem to do here, they might build houses, etc. But they're all in these service industries. And that's just, you know, you need to produce something. Uh, and people aren't doing so. And I think that all countries, and, and even if you go back to the book of Genesis, when all the tribes marched, you know, sorry, assembled under their own standard, which is how we can, you know, trace the fact that the white race, uh, the, you know, Israel of the Bible, it wasn't called that then, you know, well, Jacob Israel, sorry, and then you had the, uh, the tribes there, and you had the different symbolism, and we can trace that back all over Europe, uh, which goes to show that we are, the lost tribes of Israel, as, as they're uh, referred to, um, and that's that basically indicates itself that even though we were all related, we kind of went under our own banner, de- depending on which you know, branch you came off, yes. and and you were you you were part of that unit that was obviously part of Israel in itself. But that tells me that we're all supposed to be self-sufficient. Uh, individually and collectively as a unit you know you it's very difficult for one person to build a house you're going to need people to hold things for you while you're nailing things in you have to work collectively Uh, but having a situation where we're depending on 
you know, non-Israelites uh, to actually produce the things we need for our daily lives, such as cars, etc. Um, right. I don't think that's by accident. I think, or, and I don't think it's just because they can get these people to do it cheaper. I think it's so that if a country tries to break away from this beast system, they'll say, "Well, we're not going to actually offer you any of our goods, so you won't." get any cars you won't get any of these things that you need need so the only way to do that is to stay within mystery babylon right so that's part of the jewish race war against the white race is to take total control of the world economy so that we can't get out from under their thumb and this is exactly uh what we were talking about earlier where uh, isaac prophesied to esau when when jacob's yoke will be taken off your neck now it's really obvious that the Jews control the world economy, and they're they're now standing on our necks, and won't allow us to have our own economies anymore. Uh, Esau has definitely taken the the initiative, and uh, we are under J- uh, under Esau now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, what have they done with these economies? You look at the the, and, and it also indicates who's behind it. You look at. Um, Companies like PayPal, etc., that as soon as North Carolina resisted this uh, transgender bathroom policy, they applied the typical Jewish economic boycott, the one that the Jews are trying to uh, push laws through in Europe, that anyone who boycotts their goods suffers punishment, but they will still use their companies to boycott things that they don't like. They invented the economic boycott. Just look at um, Judea declares war on Germany, the headline from the Daily Express back in 1933. Um, So they don't like it when you boycott them, but that is what they do. They've always used these economic boycotts, and that's another um, revealing situation that we can look at to show who is actually pulling the strings of a company like PayPal. I mean, we know it's Jewish, but you can see yeah. how they work and how the way they work today is no different from the way they work historically. And that's why they need to get so much control because then, excuse me, I mean, why would PayPal, if, if Jews are only about money, then they obviously decided to move to North Carolina. They didn't just think, oh, we're going to move to North Carolina. They must have spent months researching where they wanted to build a major center. And then they must have looked right. at how much will there be employees that we can hire? Will they have the relevant qualifications? Will they be cheap to hire? All these different things. And then you're telling me that some Jew is so principled that he can't possibly allow this to go ahead if they won't have a transgender bathroom. It's nonsense. They do care about money. That's their main interest. But it goes to show that all the Jews are collectively um, the synagogue of Satan because as soon as something like this happens uh, that, that kind of goes against their beast system, they're quite happy to lose out financially on it just to force the issue through they put degeneracy before profit right <laughs> well they go together as yeah. the temple prostitution indicates yeah okay let me go to revelation chapter 18, uh, verse 19 i saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse this is the the good horse, this is talking about Yahshua at the second coming and the judgment of Mystery Babylon and against his army, capital H. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast 
and them that had worshipped his image. Well, you, the mark of the beast could be the shekel, right? The dollar, yeah. the mark, you know, the Deutschmark, uh, credit cards. Uh, you can talk about, you know, implanting uh, microchips in your forehead and the back of your hand. It's all talking about the economic system. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the false prophet, we're talking here about the eighth beast, Mystery Babylon, and the false prophet, which is uh, false Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, apostianity, which follows the temple guidelines of the Jews, right? The 501c3 corporations, they're no longer Christian. They are actually Jewish. They are Mystery Babylon churches. That's... Uh, isn't that clear, Andy, that that's what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, the fact is, is that uh, these 501c3 churches, they can't, um, they can't oppose what the government say. That's part of their deal for being, uh, getting tax exempt status. And, uh, so when the government suddenly says that, oh, it's legal for homosexuals to marry, when not only is it forbidden in scripture, but the penalty for just homosexual union is death. Never mind marriage, that wasn't even thought of in scripture. Uh, and then we move on from there to transgenderism and you can be guaranteed the next step will be pedophilia and people will be marrying their dogs and all this sort of stuff. Um, the church can't criticise that. The Judeo-Christian church can't criticise that and still claim their tax-exempt status. Yes. So okay, that, again, so they're valuing profit. So they're part of the system because, again, as you say, they're putting profit and degeneracy go, going together again. Another example. Amen. Amen. This is Jewish economics. All right. Now, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, And I saw the come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. All right. Here's this bottomless pit. And a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon and that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So we're, it's giving us a little historical background on what, when this uh, beast was cast into the bottomless pit. Verse 3, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Okay, we mentioned earlier that when Charlemagne in 800 A.D. forbade usury, and it certainly applied to Christians, but the Jews were always practicing usury on the sly. And then a, a thousand years later, in 1800 A.D., Napoleon, uh, when he uh, defeated Germany, he let the Jews out of the ghettos. He let them out of the ghettos of France and Germany, etc., because he was basically a liberal who thought that uh, that the Jews and Christians should be integrated. That was his, he, he felt this was his task, right, to integrate. No, little did he realize that the Jews can't be integrated no. <laughs> into, it, okay? So he, he uh, Napoleon was your first deluded liberal, and he actually called a great Sanhedrin of the Jews. He invited, he invited the Jews into a great uh, hall and uh, to uh, come together. And uh, from jewishhistory.org slash Napoleon's Sanhedrin, 
Napoleon's Sanhedrin is the title of the article. In 1807, Napoleon attempted to revive the great Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of the Jewish people in Talmudic times. I don't want to say biblical except for New Testament but which had been disbanded centuries earlier due to quote-unquote persecution. No, it wasn't persecution. It's because uh, our white nations kicked them out for their money-lending practices. Okay? He put before the Jews, he put this before this, the Jews' Council of Notables, a series of 12 questions, which we don't have time to go into. But uh, basically, this Jewish article gives Napoleon the credit for instituting the modern uh, movement of Zionism by bringing all this, these dispersed Jewish groups together through their rabbis, calling their rabbis and other leaders together in this great council. He says, the, the article says, Napoleon did not just have a passing interest in the questions or the Jews under his control. He had a program of assimilation for the Jews and expected the council to provide him with pat answers that would make it seem as if they were agreeing with his program. The council indeed prepared answers in keeping with Napoleon's wishes. They were not about to risk their necks. Additionally, many of them truly believed in Napoleon's program to assimilate the Jews. Okay, so there's Napoleon's misguided attempt to have uh, the Jews and Christians assimilate. Napoleon was a multiculturalist. Well, I mean, yeah, you just look at um, France as well because you had the French Revolution and this is why you get a lot of French people now that are, you know, have got that, as we would say, a touch of the tar brush in the, is an expression we use in the UK, where they do look mongrelized because, of course, right. all this race mixing was promoted so far back, um, you know, with with the French Revolution. Of course, Napoleon came along after that. Um, yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, what you've basically said here, and this is the key point, is that the creature, uh, Satan, was locked into this pit for a thousand years, as prophesied, and that thousand years ran from 800 AD to 1800 AD, and then uh, will be let loose out of the pit for a short season. And right. that is what... All we can say on that is that it wouldn't say a short season if it meant another thousand years. So this is where people, this is the real question people really want to know, is how much longer are we going to have to put up with these Jews? Because, of course, from 1800, we've now had 216 years of them, um, or two seven. And and, uh, so, you know, that's where people are, are, you know, interested. But that's something that's very difficult to... There's no date set on how long they've got. It just says a short season. Is that correct? Yeah, yes, uh, a little season. They will deceive the nations for a little season. And that's, of course, from the release of the House of Rothschild uh, because uh, one of the ghettos that was opened up by Napoleon was the ghetto in Frankfurt where the House of Rothschild lived. Okay. And uh, the Rothschilds uh, helped finance uh uh, George III's military invasion of the colonies here in America. Okay, uh, Rothschild used the money of the Landgrave of Hesse, also uh, provided troops, German troops, for King George III to use. So uh, Meyer Amschel Rothschild was instrumental in uh, fighting against America during the Revolutionary War, but he made millions 
financing uh, King George's effort, okay? And so this is how the House of Rothschild began. It was let out of the bottomless pit. Exactly, and that money was also um, uh, was also embezzled by Meyer Amschel Rothschild, and that's revealed even in the official biography. Right, yeah, and, uh, and that's all detailed in your book, The Synagogue of Satan. Exactly. Which people, uh, yeah, these prophecies have come true, folks. <laughs> these prophecies have come true. Now, another, uh, I want to back up now to Revelation chapter 12 and bring this up to date because... Verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. There's obviously a reference to the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay? And the, and the bride of uh, Christ in, uh, in Revelation 21 and 22 is the twelve tribes of Israel. Not the Jews. Yeah. The twelve tribes of Israel. But in verse 15, and the serpent, that is the devil and the dragon, which we just identified in Revelation 19 and 20. And uh, the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So this prophecy in verse 15 telling us, that the serpent, that is the Jewish serpent, which was let out of the bottomless pit by Napoleon, has now cast out of its mouth all of these non-whites into our countries. Uh, Europe is being flooded with them, America, Canada, Australia, South Africa, all of the formerly white-owned nations have now been attacked by a Jew-sponsored wave of immigration. Is yeah. this not absolutely clear? Oh, absolutely. And, and my favorite part there is the earth opening up to help the woman and the earth swallows them up. And this is something you and I have discussed on many occasions on the air. Um, I'm not sure what form that is going to take. I hope that, uh, you know, it, it could be something where we literally see the earth open up and these people are swallowed up. It could be that miraculous, but I think it could be some sort of a uh, virus that is, um, DNA specific and then that will really reveal that there are differences between the races that the Jews don't like to say that there are um, I I even choose to live in the area that I live in um, part of it I'm forced into it economically because uh, it's um, I can't afford to live in like Chelsea or somewhere like that very expensive area in London so I have to live in a more deprived area but the other part of me and I think this is the main reason because i could be back on the coast and what have you uh, where i wrote my last two books um is that i want to see this happen i want to have a grandstand seat i'm mm -hmm. so sick of these non-whites rubbing it in my face and these uh you know the having the relationships with the white women and procreating with the white women and literally becoming a first choice for a white woman to end up with a non-white uh, boyfriend or husband or father of her children and it's just not right uh, and of course that's, that's been promoted been yeah it's been promoted by the media and things like that and I want to see these people go I want to see these people disappear I want to see all the things that they thought that they would do to me and my racial brothers and sisters be for naught yes absolutely it's a, a great whore riding the beast is promoting all of this race mixing and prostitution you know all of these sexual sins 
that the Jews promote. It's obvious it's the Jews behind it. All you have to look at the credits for all of the movies coming out of Hollywood, the porn flicks, uh, softcore porn, whatever. It's all promoted by Jews. And the, the garbage that's coming from the Jewish music industry, you know, the, the gangster rap, you know, yeah. about killing white, white police officers, raping white women, it's all coming from the Jews. It's funny, Pastor Eli, because when I, I was just looking up Napoleon while we, we, we've been doing this show. I looked up earlier in the show. One of the things that came up with Napoleon at the top with Wiki, because I typed in Wiki, and then about two down, there was a rapper called Napoleon. <laughs> Napoleon <laughs> brackets rapper. I thought that kind of fits in as well. Right. Okay, I think we have time for one more quick quote. Uh, speaking of the nations allied with Mr. Napoleon, these shall make war with the Lamb, the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of hosts and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. He's contrasting us, the true Israelites, with the hordes of the Jews. And he says to me, the waters which you saw where the whore sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. In other words, that the whore controls all of these invading hordes of nations, peoples, and tongues. It's really obvious, folks, that the beast that was let out of the bottomless pit is the Jewish banking system, and the good news is that they will go into perdition. Yes, and people, I mean, I did an article recently, and I actually did a show on it earlier this week with uh, Paul English, um, station manager of Eurofolk Radio. Uh, Jewish genocide of the white race case closed part two. You're familiar with the first article, Pastor Eli, and in the second, we did shows on that together, and in the second article, uh, it just came together by accident. I, I found this website, Support the Refugees website, got pictures of Jews marching up and down, Jews welcome refugees, and, and uh, this website, and, and it's just sponsored by, I'm not going to go through it again because I did a whole show on it, but the fact is, is that it's all Jew organisations that are behind all this, and then we can go forward in, in you know, away from scriptural times and the book of Revelation to going back to the formation of the Mossad and what is their motto? By way of deception thou shalt do war. And so they know what they're doing and that goes all the way from like the USS Liberty. There's so many different things that you can link to that. Uh, The King David hotel bombing, all these different false flags that they pulled off. But what they do, you see, is that they say, oh, these are refugees. Well, they're not refugees. They're encouraged to leave the countries and go to white nations because uh, as economic migrants, because they'll be better off. They'll have a better life over there, getting benefits and welfare and things. So that's how they're so they're essentially they're deceived into doing that, although they will get this for a short time when they arrive. But a lot of them die on the way. Yes. Praise the way. Um, yeah. Uh, but. So we're being deceived as to who they are because they're not who they say they are. They're being deceived by being told that it's a great thing for them to come to our country when it's only going to end in their destruction. Right. It doesn't say that the, the ground is going to open up and swallow these Syrians in Syria. No. It only says in our nations. That's right. That's right. And Deuteronomy, it's very clear that in the end time, the Israelites were not moneylenders. There will be an enemy that comes within us that does money. So uh, all these prophecies prove that we are Israel and Jews are the beast system, Mystery Babylon. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
I think we still have a little more time here. We've got about uh, four, four, four minutes, so uh, you carry on, Paul. Okay. Yeah. All right, Revelation chapter 18. And, uh, and after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird, describes Zionism, Judaism, uh, Jewish culture, Jewish religion, Jewish society, Jewish economics. That's what we're talking about here, folks. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. We're clearly talking about the eighth beast mystery Babylon, the, the global fractional reserve banking system run by Jewish bankers in every nation of every country, and, and including the third world, because the World Bank and the uh, Bank of International Settlements, etc., through the United Nations, controls these third world nations as well. There's only one possible entity that meets all of these qualifications, and that's the global Jewish banking system. Exactly. And of course, we can see their tentacles all over the place um, and see what happens to countries at the moment, like Venezuela, where there's all this starvation again. And, and what happened in the past to Argentina when they collapsed that country and people were eating out of garbage cans and what have you. Um, they will cripple you until you do their bidding. Amen. Amen. And then even if, yeah, and even if you join them, they will destroy you when they're done with you. So anybody who makes some kind of pact with the Edomite Jews, who are Mystery Babylon, you're making a pact with the devil. So you better regard the value of your own soul when you do that, and that's why the Bible says, come out of her, my people. It's so clear that uh, the identity interpretation of Mystery Babylon is the correct one, and the other denominations are utterly clueless precisely because they mistake the Jews for Israel. They will never understand the meaning of these prophecies. No, that's it. And that goes back to uh, what I was saying earlier in the broadcast, that when you read things, I get so many people say to me, oh, you know, this guy was a one-seed liner, but he was still good. It's worth reading his stuff. And I'm like, there's enough decent two-seed line material out there now. Why would I go back to that? Um, right. You know, it, sure. it, it, do you see what I mean? It's you, oh, yeah. the, the time is short for us also. And so people need to be very um, careful about what they read in the sense of, I mean, you've got a great book, The Great Impersonation. Um, if you can tell the listeners about that and how they get that, I know it's on Kindle as well as available from your site. Yes, yes uh, yeah, actually, uh, the uh, mailing address uh, for a copy in America is $37 postpaid to ANP, which stands for American National Publishing. Post Office Box 41-1373, Chicago, Illinois, 60641. Uh, you can purchase it from my website, anglo-saxonisrael.com. Go to the uh, store, and you can purchase If you're buying from overseas, uh, you know, there's instructions on uh, adding postage. Okay, so you can do that. But I've just uh, added another title to Kindle. The uh, Paradigm Shift, which is an analysis of scientific materialism, 
and evolution is improving that they're false ideologies and actually they're a religion. They're not scientific. And so that'll be uh, being uh, made available on uh, Amazon Kindle very, sh- very shortly. Excellent. And uh, the great impersonation's up there already, isn't it? Yes, that's yeah, correct. That's good. So there's your right. op- options, folks, to, to get... Uh, certainly the great impersonation i have a copy and uh we did a, a show on little bits of that on bloodlines so if you go to the bloodlines page on either eurofolkradio.com or my website then um you can down that load that show and if you haven't heard the bloodline shows i recommend that you you know get hold of them all uh pastor eli and i did a great series on um uh, the protocols I think 23 right. episodes or something. But we've actually got about a minute past three, so I'm going to hand over to you to uh, add any closing statement to the show. Well, uh, let me go to Revelation chapter 18, the last two verses. Speaking of Mystery Babylon, and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in you, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in you. That is the, the whores that get married under the Babylonian system. And for your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorceries, that is pharmacia, were all nations deceived. And by pharmacia, you can include Monsanto, as well as all illegal uh, hallucinogenic drugs, right? And legal ones as well. Verse 24, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. It's patently obvious what this, who and what this beast is, if you have eyes to see, and that's why we're doing this show, to explain it to you. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today, Pastor Eli. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I'll be back with you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you, Andy, and Yahweh bless. You have been listening to the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show on the Eurofolk Radio Network. Andrew's book, The Synagogue of Satan, is now available on his website, andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com, in an updated, expanded, and uncensored edition.